Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 147 of the Rough Cut Retrospective, a podcast that brings you movie and TV and pop culture discussions amidst the world burning around us. I am one of your hosts, Jackson Mahiran, and joined with me today is the wonderful co-host, per usual, the uh, archaeologist turned businessman turned teen, it's Carter Sims. Jackson's a fascist. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Throwing accusations there. Um, yeah. I am not. I'm, I'm not Batman either. Uh, today, we're going to be reviewing the Warner Brothers released streamer to theaters, Blue Beetle. Um, and I think it's going to be a good conversation. What, what about you? Yeah, I'm excited. I have lots of thoughts. I'm sure you do, too. Yeah. And yeah, once upon a time, this was supposed to be a max release. So mm-hmm. Interesting to talk about that too. So yeah, I'm excited. I will discuss what I knew about Blue Beetle and things like that going in, and I'm excited for it. So it's going to be a fun convo today, I believe. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, Carter, let's just jump into it with "Tell Me Something, Boy." Tell me something, boy. What are you into this week? Well, sir, a few things. Uh, the first thing that I was into yesterday. I hopped onto Netflix for some reason. So I don't have Netflix anymore because of the password changing really? stuff. Okay. So it's, it's my parents' Netflix. I just haven't pulled the trigger and gotcha. got my own Netflix account yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm for some reason, I haven't gotten kicked off. I don't know why. But a boy. For some reason, I have it on my iPad still. Don't know yeah, why. There you go. But so I watch all Netflix things on my iPad right now for the <laughs> moment. So I'm going to milk that for as long as I can. So I hopped on there. And I really wanted to check out the the Johnny football doc on Netflix, mm. the Johnny Manziel uh, Untold, which I really like the Netflix Untold series of sports docs. I don't know if you've seen any of them. There's like a, a Malice at the Palace one last year. There was one on Caitlyn Jenner, which was really strange. There was one on a re- NBA referee, like betting on the games and things like that. So oh, really, I was interested in these. Mm-hmm. And so I checked out the Johnny Manziel one. And I know I'm sure you've seen the clip on Twitter going around where he like watched zero film for the Browns. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> yeah. that on Twitter. So I wanted to see the reference to that. So yeah, I checked that out. That was pretty good. Pretty interesting. Uh, really interesting guy, Johnny Manziel, who just seems like he was just a chill dude who just happened to be good at football. And everyone was like, oh, well, then he should be the greatest ever. And he was just like, I don't really want to do this. So that was fun. Hmm. So I checked that out. I went to see Strays, Jackson. Yeah. Went to the theaters. It was uh, it was fine. I mean, it was pretty raunchy. It turned to the point where it was like disgusting for me, and it was kind of cringy. There were like mm-hmm. puke jokes where the dogs were puking and then eating the puke. I was like, this that's not for me. <laughs> a lot of shit jokes. A lot of a lot of humping and, uh, and doggy style jokes. Classic. And I don't know. And it still has the same problem as like The Lion King in 2019, where like these animals can't emote. They're just are deadpan, dead face. They can't have emotions because they look like yeah. real animals. And it's just very strange, especially when you have people like Jamie Foxx and Will Ferrell voicing your your dogs. And they're mm-hmm. so expressive and their faces are just like glassy eyed. So nothing's yeah. going on. And I couldn't get past that. It was fine, though. There were people in the theaters having a good time laughing it up. So and I was sitting there like, OK, I, I scoffed uh, occasionally. I was like, huh? So there was that. 
Do you think they like pitched it as like an animated movie at first and they were like, no, that's too expensive for what this is. Like maybe we can't (laughs) do that for you. I feel like since it's kind of, I don't know if it is in this, like I think maybe Seth Rogen maybe was like a producer on it in that Mm. vein. Cause it, it felt like, Actually, I think it was a Lord and Miller thing, too. I think they were involved in some Weird. way, too. But I feel like it was one of those things like Sausage Party, where it was like, what if we did an animated movie that made it really raunchy? So they were just like, what if we made a dog movie, but it was really raunchy, like Homeward Bound, but dirty? So, <sighs> I mean, some people will enjoy it. It wasn't for me, but there were some moments. that It had its moments, but I didn't quite enjoy that. I obviously checked out Blue Beetle, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. And then the final one that Lauren and I queued up the other night, red white and royal blue i saw this on your letterbox um i've heard of it but i don't know what it is so i had i had just seen usually how i like dictate my movie viewing for the week Mm -hmm. if on like the letterbox popularity page if it's like popular in the community i'll check it out and see what the hubbub is so this one was on there and i didn't really know much about it going into it but essentially it's based on a a novel uh and novel book whatever what have you and it's about like the son of the president, who is Uma Thurman, by the way, which was a, cool. which, which was fun. The son of the president and the grandchild of the king of England have a torrid mm. affair with each other. They like fall in love. Okay. And I thought this was going to be kind of trashy, but surprisingly, I found it quite charming. Uh, in, in the way that it told this like gay love story it was pretty refreshing in the way that they did it, and it was kind of cool. cool. And I didn't mind it at all. I thought it was fun. And I think in my review, I mentioned my favorite line from the film, which was they're talking about each other's names. She's like asking like, well, what's your last name to the, the British British dude who has like royal titles and things. And he gives it and it's a really long name. And he goes, and I thought Alexander Gabriel Claremont Diaz was a mouthful, which is his name. And the, and the, uh, the British guy, he says, he is little winky wink right there. And Jeez. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I love this. So so that was probably the best watch I had this week, to be honest with you. So, nice. so that was pretty fun. I also checked out Akira, which I hadn't ever seen before. Akira. I don't know how you pronounce it, but that was actually the best watch I saw this week. Animated the, movie from the 80s. The motorcycle. Yeah. 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 Check that, that out. That was pretty cool. So yeah, that's what I've been into this week. Uh, what about you, sir? Sweet, yeah, I've been into a couple things. Uh, we finished uh, Abbott Elementary season two. It's now on Max now, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like they just finally added it there. Oh, interesting. Um, we started watching Atlanta on uh, Hulu, and that's amazing. Nice. Uh, really liking it. Um, and then we got distracted by another project that we started, uh, which I have named the Wheel of Real. Oh yeah, basically what I need this you to tell is, me about this. Yeah, so we went to our public library. We got uh, you get access to Canopy through our library, which is really oh, cool. Yeah. Um, which is like uh, it's like kind of like Criterion, but like more accessible. So it's like a lot of stuff that you would find on Criterion. Um, yeah. just like some really cool like artsy movies and like documentaries and stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, this is cool. So I made a watch list, and I was like, this is sick. And then I was like, we should make a a just a big giant list of everything that's on like our watch lists, mm-hmm. like on different streaming services. And then compile it into a digital wheel that we spin every night. Yeah. Um, that way we don't have to choose anything. So basically that's what we did. It took us like an hour probably to like accumulate everything that we wanted. We have like around a hundred movies on there yeah. and uh, we spin it every night. We'll like, we'll take turns for whose turn it is to pick. 
and we'll spin the wheel three times and then we pick amongst those three choices based on like what the vibe is for the night Fun. um so night one we watched when harry met sally which we had in our dvd collection and i love this movie i'd never seen it before it is easily like one of my favorite movies now which i did not think would happen oh my god uh, I loved it so much that I asked Carter if we could put it on our RCR top 100 and like swap out <laughs> one of my other movies. So that's what we're going to do. Hell yeah. Um, we make the rules. It's great. It's so fun. It's fun. Um, the, the script is great. Like having the real couples tell their story like throughout the movie is so cute. And like Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal are just giving it their all. And we watched the next night we watched uh, My Neighbor Totoro, which is also something I hadn't mm. seen before. And it was really fun. We watched that on Max. Um, if you like movies with no conflict and just like fun little <laughs> vibes, that's definitely one I would recommend. Absolutely. And then uh, last night we watched Gone Girl, which I had seen before, but Abby hadn't. Abby hadn't. So she really liked it too. Yeah. You know, Lauren so, yeah. likes that one too, which is a, is a surprising one because it's pretty violent at sometimes. And Lauren usually doesn't go for the yeah. violence. Is she not so much a true crime kind of... Well, she like she does like true crime, so okay. we, we do got that going. But we, I showed Lauren the Dark Knight for the first time the other day, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Why is everyone so mean?" <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Maybe yeah. she like my neighbor Totoro." Then maybe that yeah, could that's be, uh, that's definitely one a for vibe. her. Yeah, that's sweet. so amazing. Good weeks yeah. for us. Yeah, we... I'd say so. Yeah, we've we've been watching a lot. Oh uh, yeah. Well, should we get into uh, the uh, the main dish, the main? Let's squeezer? do it. Amazing. Let's move into That's Just Your Opinion, man. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. And uh, Jackson, take it over, buddy. What are we talking today? Yeah, so we are talking Blue Beetle, which was released last week, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, Directed by Angel Manuel Soto, who does other stuff. I'm not really familiar with his stuff. Are you? Uh, Not off the top of the head, but yeah. When I think I, wa- I read that he's like directing something with um Dave Batista soon now, like in and someone else. Oh, is he doing know. He's, that? He's got uh, some project coming up with them. I know that Batista and Momoa have a thing coming up. Yeah, I, I think it might be it. that. It Apparently, be that. he's attached to a Transformers film that might be happening. So interesting. That's all I really know of hmm. his filmography here that I'm looking at. So, yeah. Gotcha. The log line for Blue Beetle is recent college grad Jaime Reyes returns home full of aspirations for his future, only to find that home is not quite as he left it. As he searches to find his purpose in the world, fate intervenes when Jaime unexpectedly finds himself in possession of an ancient relic of alien biotechnology, the Scarab. Ooh, yes. Yeah. The second of uh, scarab type deals that I in uh, superhero culture that I've dealt with in the past couple of years with uh, some Moon Knight shenanigans going on too. Mm, not really yeah. scarab, but I was like, oh, this reminds me of Moon Knight. Anyway, that's a There's, little. I mean, yeah, there is like a lot of ancient Egyptian lore to like the Blue Beetle stuff, um, yeah. which we might get into. Ooh. Um, the cast includes. Uh, oh my gosh! I should just preface: I <laughs> am not a Spanish speaker, so this is going to be tough, and I'm apologizing right now. Uh, right. Jolo uh, Maradueña as Jaime Reyes or Blue Beetle, George Lopez as Rudy Reyes, Susan Sarandon. Uh, I'm just going to go through the names: Susan Sarandon, <laughs> Bruna Marquezine, Belissa Escobedo, Damian Alcazar, uh, Alpita Carrillo, Adriana Barraza. Becky G and Harvey uh, Guillen, I-, I think is how you pronounce it. He's from What We Do in the Shadows, and I like him. Oh, nice. But not in this movie. But we'll get into <laughs> that. 
Um, Carter, how was your theater experience? Theater experience was an interesting one for me. I went in the afternoon, as I often do sometimes when I finish up all my tasks for the day and need a little break. I go to the movies in like the afternoon, take a matinee viewing. Mm-hmm. So there were like, I don't know, five people in the theater. And I always like to sit in the back row if I can, when I go by myself for movies like this to see people's reactions. Interesting. To, okay. To, to the movie. I like to people watch. It's pretty fun, actually. And and this one was one of my favorite, maybe least favorite experiences because the man directly in front of me snored the entire time. <laughs> amazing <laughs> he was sleeping and it was audible snoring and the four of us in the theater were pretty annoyed with it so um that's amazing so not a lot of like you know reactions to la- there were a few like moments where people laughed but there weren't enough people to like get a full like raucous laughter going yeah. so uh as i sometimes look for in like marvel movies and i try to mm-hmm. block the laughter and i think this movie definitely tries to be a marvel movie more than a dc movie which we can talk about in a little bit yeah, but, I see that. I totally but see that. yeah, the theater experience was 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 fine. Nothing special, nothing terrible. When you go to a matinee mm-hmm. viewing, it's always hit or miss with the kind of people that are there. I find yeah, so totally. Yeah, that was mine. What about you? Yours was awesome, just from the pictures <laughs> I saw. Yeah, so I went to. We just moved, so I went to a theater that was literally two blocks away from our house, mm-hmm. and it is the smallest movie theater I've ever been to in my <laughs> life. Um, and that's saying something because I've lived in some pretty small towns. Yeah. Um, and this is like, like, yeah. Anyways, um, the screen was tiny. The room was tiny. I was sending you photos because I was in shock of how like cute this little <laughs> theater was. Um, and they had trivia that was playing. We got first of all, we for some reason we left thirty minutes early despite it being two blocks from our house, <laughs> and we just sat in that theater by ourselves for thirty minutes. And there was like this hilarious like trivia that clearly one like person just made like just and like threw the slides Put on up. a PowerPoint slide. Yeah, yeah. like it, and it, it's funny like at some points like they're in Comic Sans at some points they're not. Ooh. But it, <laughs> there was like two questions about like movies that Will Smith passed on, and on the second one it was like Will Smith again, and it's just <laughs> like the language that was like very funny and like casual. Um, and then like finally like two other people showed up and. Yeah, it was like we had four people in our theater, too, which was not huge. And we went at like six o'clock. It wasn't a matinee, Ooh, which is like kind of weird. Yeah, um, it was prime time on a Sunday of opening weekend. And there was four people in my theater, which is like kind of rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. But otherwise, like I, I liked the theater. It was it was it was cool. You will return to this theater. Definitely. Yes. Amazing. I was going to see uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles this week just because like I like the theater experience, but it's already gone from that theater. Oh, man. Uh, somehow, so I'm not going to see that there. Bummer. Well, that'll yeah. be on Paramount probably next month. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. With the way they turn these things over to VOD mm-hmm. and streaming now. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Carter, what are your initial thoughts of Blue Beetle? So I think for me, when I went in, I think the bar was so, so low mm-hmm. after the flash, which they hyped up to be the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> yeah. That I had no expectations about this movie. Okay. And I don't think the studio did either considering the, uh, I think the flash helped them in a way where they pulled off, pulled out on a lot of marketing stuff. Cause I haven't mm-hmm. really seen much about this movie despite James Gunn tweeting at the Rocky steps that they <laughs> made a blue beetle covering at the steps. Did you see that? No. I don't in think Philadelphia, so. they like put like a little, I don't know what the phrase is like, but like a wrap or something on the stairs that just like promoted Blue Beetle. 
Oh, like weird. Graphic. Really strange. In Philadelphia? Don't, That's like so random. Don't know why. Uh, I don't know if that was fake news or if that was something that I, I just caught that on Twitter the other day. I didn't really validate hmm. it. But uh, so the movie for me, it didn't do anything new really for me yeah. in, in terms of the superhero genre. Didn't add anything to the genre we haven't mm-hmm. seen before. Uh, but I think that since I have, I know you have a big, a bigger relationship to this character than I mm-hmm. do. I know you're a big Blue Beetle fan. We kind of talked about it. I weirdly am. Yeah. Leading up to it. So I don't really know anything about it. So I think since I had no relationship with the character, I had no expectations. And, you know, I, I thought it was fine. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I thought it was very middle of the road. I think mm-hmm. it's better than the other DC products that we've received this year. And at least in my opinion, I don't know how you feel. You could feel differently because you're closer to these characters than I am. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I thought it was fine. And I just think it's hilarious that nobody has any faith in this little thing because they announced this week the movie's already releasing on digital platforms September 19th. Jeez. They announced that this great. week. The movie's been out a week and they're uh. like, yeah, we're done with this. So it's funny. They've been blaming poor performance at the opening weekend on the tropical storms that rolled through last weekend. I, I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> Which was <laughs> a strange tactic. And the little to no marketing, you know, strikes withstanding. I don't know mm-hmm. if that would have done any help for the movie, but but yeah, I, I was not offended. I was not blown away. I thought it was mm-hmm. perfectly safe choice. And you could definitely tell that it was once supposed to be just a Max original totally. that they kind of shipped out because of Zaslov chicantery. So those are my takes. What what about you? What did you feel about about this? You know, going in, I was it was kind of one of those things where I had low expectations, and then for whatever reason, a bunch of people online were like, "Oh no, this is like a four star movie at least." Like this that is critically like, did really well. Yeah, yeah, like people people were really liking it, mm-hmm. and again, I guess this is one of those movies where James Gunn was like, "Yeah, this character's canon. We don't know if the movie's canon. We're just gonna see." I don't know how I feel about that stuff, especially with this movie being canon, just because I have like some weird issues with some of the stuff. I have, I have we'll questions about that. Yeah. Um, sure. but like, I don't know, like <laughs> I, I follow like comic book Twitter. So like my, my stuff is like a little bit different for my feeds. Like uh-huh. they were like, like a bunch of like Twitter nerds were like doing the promotion for blue beetle. And it was like hashtag blue beetle battalion. And like, they were making all these fake, like, Oh look, McDonald's just released their like blue burger in honor of blue beetle. And it would be like this photo. It was like ridiculous stuff, um, that people seem to really like. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I care about the weird i weirdly am like one of like i don't know probably not many people who really like the blue beetle character i specifically mm-hmm. really like ted cord blue beetle which is the second one and the mentor who's not in this movie but is like his lore is very much in this movie mm-hmm. um and so like i i was excited just from like like i had low expectations but i was really excited because it is a character that i know a lot about and yeah i know the potential of this character like whether it again i don't know if like a solo movie is the way to introduce this character but here we are and this is what we get so like mm-hmm. I, I was excited and i was just ultimately kind of let down from the movie i don't think it really was brave enough to do anything super crazy besides like yeah. a family aspect but i don't even think they really committed to that as much as they could have mm-hmm. um and ultimately i just i don't know like i thought some performances were really good and i thought most performances were really not good and it like you said it does feel like a streamer movie and i felt bad i took abby with me and usually she's on board for this i think she was really not on board for this movie (laughs) um and she also likes the character because i kind of made her uh be exposed to the character a little bit more than usual and she was also kind of let down 
with uh that kind of representation that we got. So gotcha. Yeah. Bummer. (laughs) (laughs) But before we go uh into more of that stuff, I do really quick want to jump into Great Scott. Which is a little segment where we do little flashbacks, and I am going to give us a quick comic book history on the origins of the Blue Beetle mantle and just kind of where it begins. So please, exciting. Yes, and again, I know very little about the origins, but I know that Blue Beetle's like one of the OGs, kind of, but kind is that kind a, of. a fact or okay, kind he, of. So yeah, let's just get started. There is a please. bunch of different uh, iterations of Blue Beetle and some of the stuff I actually learned for the first time myself. So Blue Beetle is a mantle character, which means that the title is passed down uh, to different heroes. Uh-huh. And the original Blue Beetle uh, was created for this publisher called Fox Comics, uh, which would later be uh, owned by Charlton Comics, which we've talked about in the Peacemaker episode. Yep. Um, the first Blue Beetle is Dan Garrett with one T. Uh, and it is later spelled Dan Garrett with two T's. Um, and these two people are different uh, through like the way, like I think the Fox comics ones is the one T and then the um, Charlton comics and DC comics version of Dan Garrett is the two T's. Okay. And basically uh, one T version uh, is technically public domain in the way that like Winnie the Pooh with no red shirt is like public domain, but like Winnie the Pooh with the red shirt is not. And like, that's a Garrett two T. So like, that's kind of something nice. uh, to know about uh, Garrett with one T was a cop who took a vitamin called vitamin two X that gave him superpowers. And Garrett with two T's is the archeologist uh, who gained slightly mystical abilities from discovering the scarab. Um, gotcha. which is what the lore of this movie goes with. Um, the second Blue Beetle, uh, which was created by Charlton Comics and later taken over by DC Comics, uh, and the successor to, to Dan Garrett is known as Ted Cord. Um, he's my favorite Blue Beetle. I think his suit is just, like, perfect. And I I don't know. I, I'm excited to see this character hopefully show up in the DC universe because I think he has uh, a ton of potential. Um, and I really like him. He first appeared in Captain Adam number 83 in 1966. Um, and then Cord jumped over to DC Comics, uh, like to, to the DC Universe uh, during Crisis on Infinite Earths alongside a number of other Shards and Comics characters, such as The Question, Captain Adam, and Peacemaker. Um, the second Blue Beetle uh, later showed up in his own 24-issue comic, uh, which I own like a lot of them. I think I have like 20 of the 24 uh comics which is pretty fun uh they're super weird and goofy and campy and really cool i love the court the the covers of them um cord never had any superpowers but used science to create various devices to help him fight crime uh he became a member of the justice league of america and was later killed during the prelude to dc comics infinite crisis crossover and he was killed by someone we've seen in the dc movies in the dceu carter do you want to take a wild guess uh, it was a villain, if that helps. It's a villain that showed up. It was a villain. Mm-hmm. Let's go for fun. Let's go with uh, that weird Pedro Pascal character from Wonder Woman 1984. You is are right? absolutely correct. Are you it serious? Is, it is Maxwell Lord. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Let's go. I'm so proud of you. Um, yeah, he better. was he was like funding the Justice League at the time. And like people thought he was a good guy, and then like halfway through this arc, he like pulls out a gun and like shoots Ted Cord and then like kills him. Uh, but then sometimes he's not dead, and time travel and all sorts of stuff. And, and comics, yep. yeah, comic stuff. 
Um, but yeah, so then this kind of introduces uh, Jaime Reyes in 20, 2006, um, which uh, kind of like like his character retconned and expanded on the Blue Beetle mythos, obviously. Um, the scarab that we know, like that gave Dan Garrett superpowers, um, is revealed to be extraterrestrial in origin. Um, and it like obviously like builds, like it connects with him and builds like an actual like armored shell suit. Um, that's kind of like nanotechnology that we see in, in some other science fiction stuff. Um, mm. Basically, uh, the big, like, yeah. So with like his character too, um, we get like kind of like obviously like a younger like lens into it. He joins like the teen, like teen Titans sometimes. Sometimes he's on the Justice League. Um, he befriends Booster Gold pretty quickly uh, with um, just because like Booster and, and Ted were such good friends throughout the mm-hmm. years. Um, but also like, I think what's kind of interesting too, is like, we learn like the lore between like the scarabs or the reach, which is like this imperialist, like in like alien group that like send out these like armored bugs, like the, the scarabs to people and they'll like obviously attach and then become like a soldier for them. And like their consciousness will be controlled by the reach. And then, like, they, like, take over planets that way. And so this was intended to do this, like, in, like, an, on Earth. Uh-huh. But because it landed in, like, Egypt, it messed, it combined with magic, and the magic corrupted the program. So it couldn't be controlled by the Reach, which is so goofy and so comic booky. Uh, but, Egypt, yeah, uh, the Green Lanterns do hate the Reach, and they're, like, constantly at odds with them. Um, but, yeah, I think that's, like, kind of all you need to know. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, Jaime is usually a teenager also when he gets the scarab. And gotcha. he a lot of times doesn't meet Ted Cord because like he's already dead. Sometimes he does. Um and he Jaime's uh, based in El Paso, Texas, which I don't think is where this movie takes place. That's I like a fictional they made it a fictional like Palmera City, which I don't think is a real I don't place. know where that is. Or like like what or where state it's supposed it to be supposed to be like it feels like Florida a lot it of felt, times it felt very Miami know. to me when I was yeah. watching it but Which, I don't know it seems weird um, anyway. but yeah that's the little comic history of uh, Jaime Reyes and all the other Blue Beetles amazing and we kind of get a little bit of that in the opening credit sequence where they're giving us all these like little news clippings and yeah. history of cord and stuff like that so also allegedly in the opening credits where you see the scarab like fly around space allegedly. There's a flash of green light, and we're supposed to think that that's a Green Lantern ring or something. Oh, that, like, it, sure. It, I don't know. Sure, sure. But that's what people are saying, and so I feel obligated uh, to talk about it. But yeah, Carter, it. should we just jump into uh, like what works, what doesn't work? What, what, yeah. Like, let's go. Let's get a little more into it. Let's do it. You want to start with what what worked about this for for me at least, or for you? For you, yeah. Let's 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 get some of your opinions. Amazing. Uh so the first thing, so. I think I maybe liked this just slightly more than you did, uh, yeah. given the, the lack of knowledge. But to me, it became clear immediately that this one wasn't 100% for for for, for me or, or for you, mm-hmm. per se. I think it's definitely not to the same power that like Black Panther was. But I do think that people are – it's a cultural touch point for the Latino community to have representation. Mm-hmm. I do think that's a big thing about this, that they definitely – have going whether it was powerful representation or as impactful as black panther is up for debate i think not just from my perspective over here i don't think it's a moment like black panther had but 
where there were the cultural bits and touch points were standing out that would that would definitely mean more to somebody who's a member of that community. Didn't I recognize that it happening, but it wasn't it wasn't going anywhere for me. Uh, and since El Muerto's not coming out anymore, that this is all we got, you know. <laughs> so, so, so I, I liked that respect that it was kind of there was this cultural specificity to some some things that that I could mm-hmm. appreciate, uh, just being a, a back a backseat to all that. So I, I did appreciate that first and foremost. But I agree that at some moments, because they try to land the plane on the family aspect, and I don't think they fully got there. They certainly tried. Mm-hmm. And it certainly feels more like an ensemble movie at times, as opposed to just yeah. being about Hame and and that character, which was which is kind of cool and a little different from a typical superhero origin mm-hmm. story, which this feels most like. But but yeah, I don't know. What did you think about that aspect of it? Was that something that was that was a pro for you, or just didn't land the plane of the family aspect? The family aspect, and then obviously like the cultural impacts that so, kind of the diversity. So honestly, yeah, I do feel like both of these lacked for me like especially whenever you consider like uh the the representation of like uh of just like different culture we got in like spider-verse this year right um, yeah which was like way like way like they do way more with way less in those movies way less like it's yeah. it's just kind of this background stuff but but like really kind of enriches the world a mm-hmm. lot more and maybe part of that comes from the fact that like they're based in a real city and like this is like a fake city and it's like Fair. kind of trying to emulate a couple different places that so like even like I mean I guess obviously like Wakanda but like that like is a fictional city but like that also just feels very grounded and and specifically tries to do like like something very direct and intentional and this just feels very half baked as far as like the representation goes because I feel that mostly they tried to lay into like themes of community and family mm-hmm. and like that was like the represent and obviously like the music I thought was like I thought was good like the song soundtrack they was did good. Were pretty fun yeah um. But like whenever they did like the family aspect, which I agree, like is like a huge part of like a lot of different cultures um, of just like like a strong family unit. I feel like their thing was more show or no, it was more tell don't, tell, show, don't show. They were just kind of like, yeah, like family's important. Jaime. Yeah. Family's really important. And that's like all they said. And like mm-hmm. there like there was not really a lot of like organic moments where we got to see how they interacted which is weird because I feel like we got a lot of scenes of them together before like any of the superhero stuff like caught on, but like, yes. because it was so like generic as far as like the dialogue with that stuff of like, you know, family's important. Family's important. Like n- we didn't get to like feel their relationships at all. And it like, for whatever reason, those scenes went on forever, I thought. Mm-hmm. And so it just felt like a lot. It's, um, it's funny that you mentioned the, the spider verse component because in that movie, mm-hmm. you definitely feel the bond between miles mm-hmm. and both his dad and mom individually. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, I feel like, I don't know what Hame and his mother's relationship is really at all. They don't really have, no, any... she was definitely like the most like background out of all the family characters. Yeah. Like they definitely um, try to kind of interesting. the, the uncle Ben nature of, of the Rudy. Dad. Yeah. Um, oh, oh yeah. And yeah, Rudy yeah. too. Yes. Yeah. But to yeah, have yeah. like the family member, who's close to you, the consequential death of the father figure to happen. Mm-hmm. Like obviously they try to hammer that home a little bit, which it yeah. kind of got there. It didn't get there fully for me either. It, it just, yeah. I agree. There's a lot of half baked, even with, with the family aspects, like it's clear that they're trying to say something about like gentrification with the cord industries mm-hmm. moving in and like imperialism and, and all these things. Yeah. Like, 
So that they also they just never quite get there all the way. They have and, they sprinkle and like it, sometimes yeah. and totally and like they would m- mention like a little bit of stuff like that, and then they would mm-hmm. also mention like, well, your dad and your I forget who someone else, but like someone else specifically could get deported if like they find out about who you are because like right. then they'll look into our family history. But yeah. again, like none of those were like hammered home enough to feel like actual like things we should care about or worry about and like mm-hmm. they also like i don't know like they made they made enough they put a much like they put enough attention onto it but didn't do anything with it so it didn't feel it just felt very artificial and like some like i don't know it just didn't yeah. feel supernatural for me i will say i do want to shout out one of the best i think the best moment of the movie was a family moment where uh jaime and his dad are out like really late and like just like sitting in the front lawn and like the dad's having a drink mm-hmm. and they're just like talking about purpose. Cause like, he's just out of college. He doesn't know what he wants to do. Yeah. And his dad's like, your purpose right now is just to be here and be with us and just be yourself and you'll get it figured out. And he's like, well, what's your purpose? And he's like, I haven't even figured it out yet. Like, don't worry. Like we're just, as long as we're together, like we're just getting through it. And like, that's all that matters. And yeah. I thought that was one of the easily the best moment of the whole movie as far as like emotional beats. Mm-hmm. I think it's honestly up there for like mentor, like like a kid talking to like to a, a parent figure in like one of these types of movies. I thought it was pretty good, totally. but like everything else just like really fell flat for me in in those aspects. Yeah, I I would agree with you. And again, I think that I for me that was also the the strongest part. But the the part that I think I mean at least the scene stealer for me in this movie mm-hmm. was was George Lopez. I uh, yeah. I really enjoyed George Lopez in this movie, and granted his granted his weird beard. I, that was a choice that the 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 makeup department made. I don't know why they did that, but I really love that we're that we're in like a little George Lopez Renaissance with this. People are like, oh, yeah. he's so back, and I thought he was wonderful as kind of the the comic relief a little mm-hmm. bit, and you could tell that he was there were some ad libs going on, and there were some unscripted yeah. things that he was doing. He was just kind of they were kind of letting him cook, so. I did enjoy him. He was probably my favorite part aside from what did you think of, of, of Jolo in the lead? Did you, did you enjoy him? I am. Ex- yeah. I am excited that he will hopefully continue as the character. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little weirded out with like, cause the actor is like 25, I think. Uh-huh. And the character I think is like 21, 22 probably. And Superman's going to be like within that age range, like, right. in, or like late twenties. So it's like kind of weird to have like, the young character be so close to like one of the main like mm-hmm. bases of the DC universe. But I, I don't know. Cause like he is normally introduced as like a, a teenager. Yeah. But I, I like the actor and I think he's really good. I never watched Cobra Kai, but like people say he's like one of the best parts about that. Um, I thought he did good. I thought he did good. I thought so too. I, I, I think he has definitely the potential. I don't know where mm-hmm. this character goes, which is a big question I have later when we can get down to that and yeah. when we wrap up the convo. But but yeah, I enjoyed him. I thought he was a, a great addition to this whatever universe we're in now. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I <laughs> I enjoyed that uh, as well. Kim, I'm just thinking of more positives before we get to the nitty gritty. We, I mean, we've already kind yeah. of talked about some some cons, but what did you think of the suit? I thought the suit looked, looked pretty cool. The suit was amazing. It's yeah. a very hard suit to pull off, and I yeah. think they did it. Like I think, well, one whenever the like the behind the scenes stuff released like a year ago, probably I think mm-hmm. everyone was like immediately on board with it. They liked how it looked. Yeah, and 
I liked how they added like the neon bits whenever it was like more activated and stuff and like powered up. I thought that worked really well. Yeah. Um, and it's tough too because I think sometimes animators don't know what to do like in cartoon iterations of the characters or video games they don't know what to do with the mouth like if, if it should be like a closed mask or it should be like literal lips that can open up mm-hmm. and i think they made the right call to do like it kind of moves but like there's no like definitive mouth i think that's probably good like the more of the spider-man mask approach despite yeah. it being like heavier power ranger armor almost um i think it worked i think it worked really well I thought it was uh, given two movies that I saw this week where I was focusing on people expressing expressing mm-hmm. themselves. I thought the Blue Beetle expressed himself way more than those dogs and strays. Yeah. I can tell you that. Uh, yeah. Th- with the eyes and the mouth. I thought it all worked. So I will say, I think there were some interesting choices with the suit that I just did not like at all. One being the HUD that like when it, oh, like the God. Iron Man shot, right? Like, when you see like what the screen is like, like through his eyes. Yeah, it is the worst <laughs> heads up display I think I've ever seen in any fictional piece of media, maybe ever. Like if we're talking video games, movies like this. It was so ugly. Like there was this weird thing right in the middle that just kind of like immediately draws your eye to it. Yes. And then there's like this weird like power bar on the side that like doesn't explain anything. And like it's never like you never <laughs> see like what it's doing. And it's like, oh, I kind of get what it's going for there. It uh, uh, it felt really like ugly. it felt like when you go to like an arcade and you get in one of those like capsules to play like a, yes. one of those games. It, it yes. felt like that, and it, it really hurt. And granted, I know it's hard to to do that post Iron Man to to like kind of match like, that. But you like, don't have to that was the, the choice. No, like because like, clearly they didn't reinvent the wheel in many other aspects in the movie. So was, why was this the choice they had to make? It so. was so laughably bad like i don't know <laughs> like i really hope if this character stays and i hope they i hope jolo gets another chance at the character because i think he can do it given a better script and stuff mm-hmm. i i just really hope they change that i also hope they change becky g as the voice <laughs> of the scarab because i don't know i don't know the whole direction of the scarab too like to me from the stuff i'm like familiar with like the scarab is constantly like wanting to like kill people and like wanting to like tell him to do like the morally wrong thing because it's easier, more efficient. Because he's like he's an imperialist drone mm-hmm. who like wants to kill and take over the world. And Jaime is like, no, don't do that. Obviously, like you don't have control over me. Like you can give me your opinion, but like yeah. I'm not gonna do that. And like that's like usually like their back and forth is like you should do the the easy thing, and he's like, no, I need to do what's right. And like that's. At the core of the character, what I find to be really fascinating to constantly have this voice telling you to do it differently and like sticking to your morals and, and doing the right thing every single time. Yeah. And then this, like, they're con one, it was it was voiced by one which I have no problem with because I'm just mm-hmm. used to like the more menacing, like, do it, kill him. And I was like, oh, this will be cool once the scarab takes this like dark turn. Cause I felt like they were just promoting it being like really chipper and like more like uh Karen from like a Spider-Man homecoming, which is also kind of stupid that there was like an AI voice for that. Uh-huh. But like there was no turn. Like they have a bonding sequence, but that like they were never at odds in the movie really. So like, it didn't feel like it was earned or anything like that. Like it just didn't feel like anything to me. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I wasn't really happy with that aspect of it. Yeah. I can, I can get behind that as well. I, uh, I thought that was a strange choice as well. I didn't realize that was Becky G until we started this conversation also. So <laughs> isn't that wild? <laughs> that, that's fun as well. Um, I have one more positive and then we can kind of talk about some of the stuff that didn't work. Okay. 
I or if you have other things positive. No, things no, that no, you no you're good. I uh, it feels unencumbered by any previous DC project, mm-hmm. which I think for better refreshing. or worse, it, it, it's refreshing. There's no like gratuitous Wonder Woman cameo. I didn't have to deal with God. that, which was Thank so nice. God. I wonder if there was one, and then they were like, they saw the, all the responses to like all the previous ones. Were like, we gotta cut it. Like, like, we get can't. gal out of here. <laughs> I, I like there were mentions, obviously, of of Superman and Batman, mm-hmm. but you could kind of excuse that as like, oh, maybe they exist like in a comic book in this world. But then or, you, or see... even through the DCU lens, if this is canon, like we don't really know enough about them, anyways, to where it, like it feels contradictory. Like it's just like right. some person on the streets' opinion of them. Yes. Like, who knows? Because he's know. like, Superman can fly, I can fly. Yeah, things yeah. like that. And then, then you see things like, you know, building, say, LexCorp, and mm-hmm. and he went to, Go- he graduated from Gotham Law, I think. He was wearing a Gotham so Law weird. or something like such, that. Such a weird, like, and he doesn't bring it up once. It's just like a sweatshirt that says Gotham Law. And he's pre-law, yeah. so maybe he hasn't gone there yet. But I was mm-hmm. like, him going there seems like very out of character, but whatever. Yeah. I just love that in all these projects on this DCU, there's only one university and it's Gotham. <laughs> Gotham. Everyone goes there because they don't everyone know. plays football for there. Yeah. <laughs> yep, like, Cyborg is... goes there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, so I, it was quite refreshing to, to not have to deal with, with any of, of that, which mm-hmm. was fun. And I think it's max roots help it stand apart for better or worse. I think it's just mm-hmm. lower stakes and, I went in yeah. with, and I, so I think that helps it in, in respect in regard to that, not being part of the bigger picture, unless it mm-hmm. is. And James Gunn retroactively is like, Oh, that is, that is in here. Cause is it part of the, maybe we can save this for the end, but yeah. I, I, I keep thinking about it. So I'll come back to it. But, but yeah, that's, that's what I, that's kind of all that worked for me with, with this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Honestly, like I'll take a movie that like is small and doesn't really do it for me than like a movie that tries to do like everything Has and also doesn't do it. Yeah. Like it kind of stays in its lane, which I appreciate a little bit more than like some of the other attempts uh, for DC this year, which Boy. I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, But before we do that, do you want to just talk about what else really just really doesn't work? I have a few. One I want to mention really quick is this fictional city, uh, which I have been calling Roku city ever since I've seen it. <laughs> The like it's it's maybe the most accurate like like dystopian looking uh city that we'll probably get in our lifetime at some point. Just like mm-hmm. light purple haze everywhere with like these giant billboards. It doesn't look cool. It looks how like people who designed Roku would design a futuristic <laughs> city, which is bad. Um, and it's just not good. I do not like the purple that they choose that shows up in like literally any building shot like in any of these like in, yes. during the whole movie it's really ugly i i i don't know it just seems like a business choosing that as like their main color and then like their whole city that they rule over being that like, it's all this brand recognition <laughs> um yeah that we want to talk about just i guess should we just really quick get out of the way the script just not super great I've, yeah yeah uh yes there are just there are moments that don't really it just feels like at times it's like they asked ai can you give us a moment where you can give us a a consequential death can you give us a moment where the girlfriend talks about her dead parents and they decide to kiss you know it can yeah can you give us these moments so yeah definitely half-baked in that regard and they have Mm -hmm. a lot of big ideas Mm-hmm. that don't ever come to fruition especially the whole movie they're kind of anti-corporation and then the corporation comes in and saves the day in the end and says oh we're not gonna repossess your house yeah really weird 
So they kind of go back on some of the the scruples that they mm-hmm. defend. So yes, the script was was a uh, was a little weak. I thought that like even the the fight sequences were a little not very exciting. Mm-hmm. We have a big CGI bullshit fest at the end as well as usual. Yeah. And and yeah, I I agree with you the script was pretty lackluster in that regard. Mm-hmm. And it had it just greatest hits of superhero origin stories. Like at times it felt like we're doing Spider-Man at times we're doing Iron Man with the, you know, we're the doing Ant- the suit. Yeah. We're doing Ant-Man with like the villain of the movie who is not super great. Yeah. Can we talk Man. about Susan Sarandon? Susan Sarandon, who I love by the I way. I do too. She's great. Uh, she phoned in this performance. Uh, and yes. When I was watching it, I was like, is this Susan Sarandon's fault or is she just trying to do the most with a, pretty empty part and lackluster script i don't know where i, I don't stand, know either but i think this is a role that could have been filled by literally any upcoming like up and coming actor i don't think it needed to be a big name i get why they made it a big name the role mm-hmm. does not demand a big name actor at all no um, and yeah. yes she definitely it was definitely phoned in it was definitely the worst part it just a a paint by numbers villain that you the their whole way of going about things is just that i'm evil and i want to rule the world and, and like, can oh, i cool. add i i had this experience in the theater and i turned mm-hmm. to abby and she had this exact same experience so i'm curious what you think were they intentionally trying to do like a hillary clinton thing with her character <laughs> like she had the hillary clinton haircut she was kind of uh-huh. like doing like girl boss had some uh, pantsuits warlord stuff which was kind of weird like war crime uh-uh. stuff Maybe? It felt very it felt very strange to me like because at one point in the movie and this is something that I really hated about the movie because it's like <laughs> this is kind of an interesting thread if you didn't set up all this other stuff where it's like mm-hmm. her and Jenny Cord who is the do- the daughter of Ted and her niece yeah. uh, which we'll get to also which I didn't really love um, she's like I had to take over the company as a woman like i was like looked over as a woman mm-hmm. and now as a woman i'm doing what's right we women got to stick together and it's like hold on you are trying to create a privatized army like you are not like a good person <laughs> in this scenario and so it seems really weird to try to bring in like girl boss moments it uh, was like literally one of the worst people like i've ever seen like as a villain i wonder um, if that was like the 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 filmmakers attempt to give this villain like the best villains are people that you're like maybe i do agree with that whereas maybe they were trying to give some of that and it did not maybe it's like a slightly more clever like like kind of like weaponized like turning like like a kind of like a like you know like the trope of like oh white weaponized white woman tears like being you like i don't know like maybe like that's kind of something they were going for but also like it didn't feel like they didn't lean into it hard enough for me to tell. And I think that's kind of a problem too. Like, half, I don't know. I just, once again. I couldn't tell yeah. what they were going with there. I do want to say I kind of liked Carapex. He's an actual villain uh, for Ted Cord. He's on one of the mm-hmm. covers of my comics that I have. He looks exactly like that in the comics, like the cool. weird triangular Dorito robot kind of thing that they got going. Yeah, the whiplash cool. thing going. Yeah, they gave him a whip. It was like, yeah, it was like if Whiplash and Yellow Jacket teamed up to like fight Blue Beetle <laughs> is kind of like what this movie was. Um. I liked his stuff. Like they called him o- like OMAC, the one man army corps, which is like a different DC thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But it worked. I don't think it was like a big deal. I don't think the OMAC heads are going to be like the two of them Appalled. might be upset, but the two I, of them. <laughs> um, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Uh, I thought his like montage at the end 
was in- again interesting like where you see him as a child soldier get adopted by which again doesn't really make sense because how old is Susan Sarandon like because they seem like very similar in age <laughs> even the like flashbacks she like, looked exactly like, she's the same like, she looks the same um I don't know like the whole like his montage of being a child soldier who like got drafted mm-hmm. through imperialism by this private company to like work with them and then they turned him into this monster kind of uh it was fine I I, I think that's again that's an interesting element that they didn't they didn't lean into hard enough uh, throughout the whole movie. It was just like a two second thing of Becky G being like, by the way, I have his memories here. They are boom. Yeah. If they had I remember like, everything now, like if they had laid the groundwork of that at all mm-hmm. earlier in the movie, then maybe that would have paid off. But to yeah. hedge that in, in the last 15 minutes of the movie and right at the climax of the film is yeah. kind of weird is a choice is definitely a kinda choice. Weird. Um, uh, yeah. We mentioned the HUD already, which I thought was tough and and uh, the fi- uh, you touched all the thing. I think just overall, all of it's just half-baked and never really lands the plan on anything. And it's yeah. just more final act CGI bullshit, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I just thought the, the the most egregious moment to me was when she was talking about her dead dad. And they're like, well, this must be the time that we're going to kiss on the bed right here. <laughs> that is also, I do really quick. I think the actress was good. I think Jen- she was doing, for Jenny. Like, yeah, for Jenny. Yeah. I thought she was doing good. Mm-hmm. I don't like that she's the daughter of Ted Cord for a couple reasons. One being that this ages up Ted Cord in universe to being like fifty or forty, 60 or, yeah, like 40, 60, sixty or seventy almost. Like he like probably fought crime in the eighties mm-hmm. or like early nineties, which is really weird for the timeline if they're wanting to do DCU stuff. Which again, you have like the booster gold aspect, which is where I think maybe like Ted Cord could come back in. They did that weird teaser of like i'm still alive um, on oh, the post mid credit scene yeah. yeah of a voice that was not recognizable at all i don't know if, like, voice yeah. yeah and then also the the painting that looked like jason sudeikis but wasn't jason sudeikis <laughs> apparently like the director was like i really wanted jason sudeikis to play the character but we the we just couldn't get him in the movie like not because of like the actor but because of like we couldn't fit ted into the movie organically which i really disagree with i feel like mm. Personally, I feel like if you take Jenny out and you put Ted in in the center of like the mentor role Mm -hmm. and you kind of have it to where like he pushed his whole family away and like he lost his company and now like his sister who now hates him because he was so busy becoming being a superhero and focusing on his inventions and stuff like he pushed everyone away and then you have like him as a mentor to Jaime and Jaime can teach him the value of family in that sense. Like I feel like that would have been a really interesting dynamic as like. um... As but. a fan of Ted Cord, do you would Sudeikis would that be a good casting decision? Absolutely, to, I think yeah. Sudeikis would be a perfect Ted Cord, like amazing, super great. Like I like one of those like SNL. I think Bill Hader would have been a really good Ted Cord. I think oh. I don't think he'd ever do it, but like something like, no, like the wouldn't. funny man who can play like the funny straight man. I think is who you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone like Sudeikis or or Hader is like kind of perfect. Gotcha. For that kind of thing. Cool. Um, I, I will say too, I as a positive. All the Ted Cord like lore stuff was amazing. Like I loved his hideout. I loved his little guns and gadgets. The suit designs um, were cool. The suits were super sick, and the scare like the beetle that they fly in the beetle mobile so cool, so great. Yeah, um, I loved watching it like climb up the, On rocks, the wall, like that with the needle drop. I thought it was really good. That was cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll give it that. And it's like, and like again, like they were like, yeah, he's like Batman, but worse, which is like. Yeah, like that is kind of like his thing. Like he's like a comedic character. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was like really, really fun. I think they nailed that aspect of it. Also, really quick, I do think 
we we talked about like the the show don't tell uh, how it should have been with mm-hmm. their family. I feel like if instead of their house, it's like, oh, I'm gonna go home and work at the family business, but I don't want to work at the family business because I feel like my aspirations are pulling me elsewhere, but I haven't gotten there yet. And then like we get to see like their family dynamic within like a, like a business setting and you can like kind of feel it more organically. You could see Rudy like being the genius that he apparently is, even though like we didn't get any, like at one point he's like, Oh, you need this giant machine to get through the security. And he's like, I can do that. And it's like, Oh, okay. I guess he can do that. Like he just had a truck. Like that was the only in, like inclination yeah. that he was like a techie, like, I don't know. Like it was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that like, paired with like the Ted courts, like actually having him in there would like kind of ground the movie more in like both of those themes. But I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, George Lopez and uh, Sudeikis could have some fun times together. That sounds oh, like a, sounds like a package made in heaven right there. I yeah. like it. And and you don't, and honestly, like I like the family. You could like cut down some of the family in it. I feel like this, I, I feel like the sister was like kind of really annoying the whole time. She was very annoying. Like, I, I don't think that's the actress's fault. I think they wrote her to be the really annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, the mom basically had no impact on the film whatsoever. Nana was a guerrilla warrior. I thought, I thought that was kind of cool. I kind of <laughs> weirdly liked that. Um, Brought her braids down. and Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like besides Rudy and his dad, like that's who he connected with the most, like with like their airport meeting interaction. Like I like that yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe mix that up a little bit and then add Ted Cord and I like again like I feel like a family business type introduction instead of like the dinner oh we're gonna lose the house and then we get the house at the end I don't know like it just wasn't uh, I don't know it just wasn't there for me yeah I uh that's kind of all the things I had on it other than Mm -hmm. I just have lingering questions about for sure this this property going forward and things like that Mm -hmm. actually the first one I want to ask since you mentioned at the beginning about Green Lantern how is Blue Beetle's? How are his powers different than Green Lantern? Because to my understanding, and you can think of something, and Becky G will make it happen for you. So, yeah, I feel like they kind of like got a little crazier with like the Blue Beetle lore power systems, sort of. Because I feel mm-hmm. like it's like it's nanotech. So the way I understood oh, it, nanotech was more like Iron Man and Infinity War, okay. where like it comes off of his body and like does the thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, is, like, still, like, connected to him. Like, he has, like, arm gauntlet blasters or, like, arm swords or the staple gun, which I loved to see that that was in the movie. (laughs) I love the giant staple gun that pins people down. I think that's so cheesy. Or, like, the wings. I feel like the bubble gum, chewing up the bubble gum thing. That was super, that was really goofy. (laughs) So campy. Um, I love that. I think the sword that you could hold by your hand, I feel like that, like, shouldn't be in the, like, I feel mm-hmm. like that kind of breaks the rules a little bit more, but I think like ultimately like the big difference between like those, t- like the green lantern and a blue beetle is that like they can make way like green lanterns can make like giant, like yeah like, building size stuff. That's like, un- and I feel like the scarab could probably only make so much stuff. Right. Like, 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 you know how like in, in the infinity war, like it was like, Whenever he was like down on nanites, it was like moving from one part of his body to like another to make one. Th- like, I feel like it would kind of be like that if it got to that situation. Gotcha. Yeah. And then my final one, maybe we can end our convo with this is just like, where does this go from here? Cause I have seen multiple reports, many different sources where people are like, this is still within the DCEU. This is the old regime, or this is ushering in the new, but it's not new because Superman's the new. 
And so, it's like, where do you think, where, where is this in terms of the whole picture, the big picture? If I had to put money on it, mm-hmm. I would assume that this is loosely canonical in the sense that the casting for Jaime Reyes, Jolo, mm-hmm. he will continue to be Jaime Reyes. Got it. I think everything else is probably not canon. Like it might be like loose, like he got the scarab from an accident and it was thrust upon him and family is important. And that's probably it. I would be shocked if like Jenny Cord showed up in the DCEU. I don't know. Cause mm-hmm. I, I just feel like it messes up with all the ages of like all the other characters that you want to do. Right. So but I'm not sure. So is this, so do you think this is an else, an else worlds thing or other, or uh, it's so tough. Like, I feel like in the way that like, if, like Viola, like if like Viola Davis stays as like Amanda Waller, it's like mm-hmm. the way that like Suicide Squad, like the first one, is like is in this really other... canon, but like maybe like but like not really, you know what I mean? Like it's just so it's messy just all out in the air. Yeah, it, it's still I want so messy. I want him to put out another YouTube video of just being like, "This is what's canon. Don't worry maybe, about everything." Maybe post Aquaman, we'll get we'll get something. Maybe like that. so because maybe. I'm 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 lost. I don't know where to rank this <laughs> when too. we get to ranking. Like, do I put this in the DCEU? Is this just a separate thing that yeah. should stay over here? I don't I don't really know what to do yeah. with it. So. So that's where I'm at. And I've heard people say like, oh, he should show up in this Booster Gold show that they do. I've, I've heard he very well could. That. I think I think it's the most likely next place he shows up. Is gotcha. Booster Gold. Amazing. Well, I hope to I hope to see him again and I hope mm-hmm. this character can can grow. But but yeah, do you have any final thoughts on, on Blue Beetle before we go into kind of a new segment? Which is I know. Um, I think the potential is there. Mm-hmm. But it just felt like a Max movie, and that, yeah, that's definitely. It, it was just I don't know. I think it was just too afraid to like fully commit to one different idea, and it kind of just became a lot of little different ideas with mostly super generic base bases for this movie. I don't know. Agreed. Nail on the head. I I I agree with all the the sentiments you you gave. So yes, amazing. Jackson, are we moving on to a new segment? Let's move on to what's in the box. Oh, what's in the box? Oh, baby. So, <laughs> so this is a segment Jackson and I have created to, 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 to freshen things up, to just talk about, we talk about Letterboxd all the time on the show. Mm-hmm. And we want to, we want to plug our people over at Letterboxd. So we're still doing list is life in here, but we're also talking about just some fun reviews that we read on Letterboxd for Blue Beetle <laughs> that are, we just, we just want to share. So do you want to talk about rankings first on Letterboxd where we put it? Or do you yeah, want to do I was going to, I do, let's do the ranking. This can be our little, uh, we've, we've kind of grandfathered in list of life a little bit uh, yes. into a smaller segment here, but Carter amongst the current releases of DC superhero movies between mm-hmm. Blue Beetle, the flash and Shazam Two: Fury of the gods, where does blue beetle like, what are like, what are the rankings out of those for you? I think for me, I think, I think Shazam Fury of the gods is third. <laughs> I I agree. I just truly just I don't know what that movie was. I didn't really enjoy it. And Zachary Levi is just a big weirdo now and or maybe always has been, but has been hiding it. So I don't know about that. So that's third for me. And then I think I put the flash at second and then Blue Beetle at one still, because at least Blue Beetle didn't feel like the DC garbage that we've gotten. And again, at least it was like a lighter tone going forward mm-hmm. when all these movies are kind of like the flash tried to be light at times, but at the end yeah. it's just really pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shazam tries to be funny, but 
when you have such an unfunny person at your, the center of your movie, it doesn't work out. So yeah, I think I have Blue Beetle at one, edging out the Flash, and then Shazam. What about what about you? Where does that stand for you? I I completely agree. I think I think I gave them all. I think I gave Blue Beetle and the Flash the same star rating, just because mm-hmm. like, which I think was two and a half for me. Yeah, just I gave because, Blue Beetle like, three. By the way, the yeah. Flash should be like a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of fumbled it and fucked it up a lot. And I just don't think it was very good. And like their big swings were like offensively bad to me of like like resurrecting dead actors who <laughs> killed themselves after playing this like a specific role and it like ruined their life. And it's like, oh, let's recreate them in CGI in the role that destroyed them. Like, let's do that. And it's like, oh no, that's really not a good idea. I don't know why you would think to do that. The Flash also, for some reason, is the first uh, Latino hero that we've gotten. Before True, uh, because they randomly made Ezra Miller uh, half Latino for that movie and didn't really explain it. And that's kind of strange to me. But uh, Blue Beetle, I think, edges out the Flash just because it stays in its lane. And Definitely it's just, I don't know, it just stays in its lane. And I like the actor more, to be honest. <laughs> Agreed. Yes, <laughs> that's a good point also. Yeah, of the three main <laughs> leads of these three movies you mentioned i would it's put my money definitely Jolo. Jolo for the yeah. future yeah incredible Sweet. um do you want to share some fun letterbox reviews that you found yes i have some i have some fun ones uh i, I have some fun ones too how many do you have how many did you bring i have three that I okay found. I, I have four and uh, i wonder if some of ours will overlap i don't know but we'll see they might the first one I wanted to bring up just to just to mention as a cautionary tale, like this isn't the way we should think about these things. And I just thought it was interesting that mm-hmm. someone in the community was thinking about it this way. So I want to just point it out. Should we mention who they were from? Should I credit the, the reviewers? Yeah, that's what I, I wrote. Yeah, cool. I put the re- who wrote it, how many stars and what the review was. Awesome. So this was from um, one young wolf who didn't write the <laughs> amazing, movie, but, but they reviewed it. And this is the review. A love letter to Latinos. I'd say a hate letter. Full of cliches, full of cliches, stereotypes, and bullshit. Blue Beetle confirms what we already knew, that this is the most generic movie in superhero cinema. Fuck, an artificial intelligence gives me a better story and a less generic script. Now I understand the concern all these bad writers have. Now that is not the takeaway we should have. I disagree with, yeah, I do disagree with that. So I just wanted to bring (laughs) this up, that just because a movie (laughs) is bad doesn't mean that AI should come in and write the movie. No, definitely not. Cautionary tale. I'm sorry for crediting this person here, but if you follow them on Letterboxd, let them know this isn't. It's cool. valid. It's valid. It's a valid thought, but I disagree with it. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. that's that's my first one, uh, and then I'll I'll hop to you since I had since I had four. You can you can uh, yeah. go to yours. This one's from Tyler, three point five stars, and it just says the George Lopez Renaissance has begun. I like that. <laughs> See, simple, we're, classic, easy. We're so back. Uh, my next one is from I sh- I didn't write down the star review, but you can guess whether it was a positive or negative one by the uh, mm. by the connotation of it. So this one's from Brian Esposita. And <gasps> this is yeah, the one I have, too. It was two and a half stars, two and a half stars. Beautiful. Yes. Uh, that moment when the girl you're into is talking about her dead parents and you get a raging boner. Tremendous stuff. <laughs> <laughs> tremendous it was you. funny i will say it was really funny when he walked up and like pulled like the the like the jacket down like so goofy yeah um yeah that is a crazy moment that actually happens in the movie that it does that it does um this is uh my last one that i covered this is from cartoon she 
like shit probably um mm-hmm. two and a half stars it's been a good while since a film has made me feel absolutely nothing <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny too um, beautiful yeah uh and then i have two more since i stole one of yours apologies that's good this is from dakota joaquin two and a half stars i tracked down the review and I just wanted to bring this because of the talk we had on the DCU fan cast episode. The best CW episode I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it is very CWE. Yes. Unfortunately. And then my final one from Giaba, three stars. She blew on my beetle till I. I just thought <laughs> That's that was great too. <laughs> just thought that was a wonderful way to cap it off. So those are my amazing. Reviews. That was uh, what's in the box. I like it. I, I think that's a good category for us. I love it. Should Sweet. we move on? Let's move on to you're feeling lucky. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Which is uh, kind of a, a revamp of it. So for this, um, one of us who is in charge of the episode, which was kind of me this week, mm-hmm. uh, is going to bring in a fun little game or challenge uh, for either both or one of the uh, hosts and this week i created a quiz for carter who is a oh, movie boy. expert oh no um and this is basically a, a george lopez quiz oh, where no. i'm going to give you uh the year the movie came out and another actor that was in the movie and you have to tell me what movie uh this like that george lopez was in so for an oh, example god 2023 susan sarandon that would be blue beetle Okay. Um, So for this, we're going all the way back to 2005. The star is Taylor Lautner. What is the movie? Uh, This is maybe the only George Lopez movie I can recognize on this list. (laughs) The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl, baby. That is correct. One point for Carter. (laughs) Uh, The the year is 2007. Uh, The actors are Christopher Walken and James Hong. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. Is this um Balls of Fury? <laughs> this is Balls of Fury. That's that was one of those movies that was just always on that I always turned on. And man, what a joy every time <laughs> that this movie was on. I've learned in doing this research, I've learned that George Lopez does a lot of movies with a lot of really famous people and really some obscure nonsense. Um which is kind of fun. Uh the year is 2008. The actors are Drew Barrymore and Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. Drew Barrymore and Jamie Lee Curtis in a movie together, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, you again? That's a movie that Jamie Lee Curtis is in. I don't know about Drew Barrymore. It I don't know this one. Not the the answer is Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Oh, of course. <laughs> There's like four or five of those movies, by the way. I think I there's think they, a lot of those. They there's kept like three, cranking those out. <laughs> Beverly Hills. Um, the year is 2009. The stars are Jane Lynch and Nat Wolf. Jane Lynch and Nat Wolf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two great movie stars. Um, he is like the main character of this movie, too. Apparently, is he? He's on the cover. George Lopez is or Nat Wolf? Mm-hmm. George Lopez. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I just keep thinking for some reason. I keep thinking of The Rocker, which I think is <laughs> Rain Wilson. <laughs> I have no idea on this one. What is this? The, the answer is Mr. Troop Mom, which I have not seen. I've never heard of that. <laughs> All right. The That's year awesome. is 2010, and the okay. actor is Taylor Lautner. 
again, again, but in 2010. Mm, George I'll give you wasn't I'll, in Twilight. I'll give you a hint. There was also Julia Roberts in this movie. Julia Roberts, Taylor Lautner. Is this? Oh, okay. It's one of the holiday movies, but which one is it? I think it's Val- Valentine's Day. It is Valentine's Day because <laughs> Taylor great. Lautner and Taylor Swift pull. are yeah. uh, a couple in that one. Yeah. I forgot George Lopez was in that though. Hmm. All right. The year is also 2010. Oh, double D. The uh, actors are Jackie Chan and Lucas Till. Wow, Lucas Till. Who is that? <laughs> Jackie like, Chan. Yeah. Um, Shanghai Nights. Nope. It was The Spy Next Door, which I have never seen. Again, another movie I've never um, heard of. George Lopez, he the, you know he gets work, but I haven't heard of most of the things. He gets a lot of work, but it's yeah. not a lot of stuff I've seen. The Listen year is also 2010. This is the third 2010 Holy movie cow. released Go George. under his uh, name. Um, and the actor is Owen Wilson. 2010 Owen Wilson, huh? Mm-hmm. What's a 2010 Owen Wilson movie? Drillbit Taylor. <laughs> No, it is uh, another dog talking movie, I think. Oh, dogs. Owen Wilson is a dog. I just can't. I'm only thinking of Marley and me. I'm like almost positive that he, that George Lopez voices a cat in this, but I could be wrong. Voices a cat. Oh, 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 Marmaduke. It's a Marmaduke? Yeah, Marmaduke. It is Marmaduke. (laughs) Then uh, the year is 2011, and the actor is Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. It is a kids movie, if that helps. It's a kids movie. Okay. Uh, is he a? Is it like a voice? Is he a voice? Mm-hmm. Is, I'm asking for clues. <laughs> he is a voice. Um, it's either Rio or the Smurfs. I'm gonna go Smurfs. I know Neil Patrick Harris is in that. That is correct. All right. The I year the is also 2011. Oh, my God. Uh, the actors are Jesse Eisenberg and Anne Hathaway. Jesse Eisenberg and Anne Hathaway. Oh, oh, Rio. Yeah, this one's Rio. There we go. <laughs> and then finally, I got two other ones that I know you're not going to get, but I just have to read them to you. Oh, this is 2017. Oh. Josh Peck from Drake and Josh, Becky oh. G, and Jeff Dunham. Jeff, the, the puppet, puppet guy, guy? <laughs> the puppet guy. Is this um? It's like an is it an action movie? No, no? I'm pretty okay. sure this is animated, and I've okay. never heard of it. Then I have no idea. Jeff Dunham. <laughs> it's called Gnome Alone. <gasps> Not a part of like the Gnomeo I, and Julia I, universe. It could. Be. I don't <laughs> think it is. It looked very bad, even for the Gnomeo Gnome. and Juliet standards. No, um, and then finally we have 2020 with Max Greenfield, who is Schmidt from uh, New oh. Girl, mm-hmm. and this is apparently a sequel to a childhood movie that I love that had oh. Jeff Goldblum in it, but I don't think he's in these movies. A childhood movie you loved that had Jeff Goldblum in it, mm-hmm. not Jurassic Park, not Jurassic Park. It was like a cheesy kids movie, cheesy kids movie with Jeff Goldblum. Hmm, I have no idea. Uh, this movie is Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite. Oh, but remember Cats and Dogs? I do Man, remember Cats and Dogs. That movie was great. I Boy. loved that movie. Cats and Dogs. Wow. Well, that was fun. I'm looking at No Malone right now. 
Oh, Nash Greer of Vine fame is also in. Oh it. yeah, good. Yeah, God. it's super strange. Was strong. Uh, yeah, I think honestly, you did pretty good, <laughs> Jeff Dunham. Wow, it's No Malone is on Netflix. If we want to do a group oh, watch, sometime. oh hell yeah, buddy, let's do it. I'll get on my iPad to watch it. So <laughs> I'd love to. Wonderful, that was fun. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, Jackson, we're done, right? We did it. Is that it? We have a fantasy update. If you, if oh, there's yeah. any, of course, fantasy update. Uh, this is week thirty-one. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, we're entering the dog days of the summer, kind of Labor Day's approaching, which marks the end of summer movie slate, which has been a fun, fun time for all. Mm-hmm. Uh, in first place, still David with nine, nine movies in his arsenal. Barbie still cooking away, approaching highest grossing movie internationally in twenty twenty three. It passed Super Mario domestically this week, which is cool. So good for them. Still has Legally Blonde on that resume, and he's not giving it up yet. I don't think he ever will. So we'll <laughs> see if he ever replaces it. Uh, Jeff in second, kind of stagnant right now. Uh, he's got three more films coming this year, and uh, one of them will premiere at Venice uh, with Maestro soon uh, in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bumped up to third this week with Blue Beetle, actually. Uh, wow. So surpassed Cody. Blue uh, Beetle Battalion. Heck yeah, part of it. Uh, a lot of positive reactions for Blue Beetle critically. Lackluster box office, as we mentioned. I don't think we even mentioned. I think it made $40 million internationally, which isn't great. It had a poor domestic opening as well. Yeah. So, And uh, my A24 pick, Problemista, has been pushed. Uh, from its, It was supposed to release this weekend, but it's kind of TBD in the air. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of in limbo because it premiered at a film festival, so it has reviews. You so can't I can't drop it. I can't drop it, so I'm just <laughs> I'm sitting with it. So, so yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Then Coldy, Coldy, Cody in fourth. Uh, Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie is coming in September. Get ready for that. Paw Patrol, baby. Yeah, baby. Uh, Brian in fifth. Strays was one of his this weekend. Pretty mid reviews and poor box office as well. Made like 10 million at the box office, mm. I think. Uh, Dumb Money is his next movie on the docket coming in September as well, which looks kind of fun. I'm excited for that one. And then Jackson in sixth, Oppenheimer. Still rolling, baby, and mm-hmm. raking in some bucks. And you have uh, your next movie is A Haunting in Venice, which is coming in September as well. So let's go. And then Corbin in seventh, Mutant Mayhem still picking up a few points here and there at the box office. And then finally, Matt in eighth with big Oscar aspirations with his slate that he built in the past week or so going for that Oscar bonus. So it's impressive. Um, yeah, no head to head matchups this week, uh, as Problem Misa was supposed to be this weekend, but that was pushed. So Nothing really. Box office is kind of a crapshoot this weekend, I would say. Mm-hmm. Could be Barbie. I doubt it's Blue Beetle. Gran Turismo, based on a true story, could sneak in there. Don't that know. movie, I've seen that ad way too many times. I'm not I'm even done. I don't even go to AMC that much like you. It played every single time I went to AMC, and I was like, how is this still a trailer? It's you awful. go all the time, so I can't imagine how awful that must have been for you. Because the trailer, oh, it's so annoying. It goes behind the scenes. And then it goes the trail. It feels like a 10 minute segment. It's forever. so terrible. Goes um, forever. And can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll be there. There's, I'll be there tonight. 7 PM show. Yeah. And they changed their title. So it's like Gran Turismo colon based, based on a on true, true story. story. I love <laughs> so when they dumb. do that. Cause that'll get the dads in the theater. Based oh, yeah. on a True story. I'll be there. So we'll see. I don't know who's going to come out on top this weekend. I would put my money on Barbie, but, but we'll see. And uh, once again, Venice film festival will start thursday next thursday august 30th so just some movies to keep out an eye for i don't know when they open in the film festival but maestro priscilla the killer 
Poor Things and Ferrari all opening mm-hmm. at the film festival that week. So, and just to mention with the exception of the September 7th weekend coming up each weekend for the rest of the year has a movie coming out in our docket. Let's go. So it's going to be an exciting race to the finish in the fall and in the winter. So I'm very excited. So yeah, that's our little fantasy update for you. And now we're done. Boom. We did Boom. it. Amazing. Uh, this was fun. I like the new, like our new categories and, and new little sticks. I think that's going to be fun. So look forward to that going forward. And Jackson, where can the people follow us for our, for our antics and things? They can follow us on Instagram at rough cut underscore pod. Click our link tree. Follow us on Spotify, please. Um, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where can they follow us on Twitter? Uh, at rough cut underscore co. Check us out Ooh. there. And again, click our link there. Follow us on Twitter or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and also follow us on Spotify. Listen to us on Spotify because once again, it's how we feed our families in these trying times. So beautiful. Thank you for listening to our Blue Beetle talk next week. Uh, it's my birthday episode. So Woo-hoo. we're doing a fun little 2010s Oscar winner draft, which is going to oh, be yeah. really fun. I'm excited to see what movies people pick. It's going to be a good time. We'll explain more next week. So come back for that. It will be fun. And wish me a happy birthday next week. So yeah. Yay. We love you very much. Yay. Bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.